A magnitude 6.1 earthquake shook eastern Taiwan at 8.52 this evening. According to the Central Weather Bureau, the epicenter was located in the ocean off Ilan with a depth of 53 kilometers, which is considered shallow. Hualien recorded a magnitude of 4, while Taidong, Ilan, Nantou and Yingling recorded 3. Taipei and Taichung recorded a magnitude of Two. The two Marines killed in a boating accident during the annual Hanguang military exercises earlier this month in Kaohsiung were honored on Sunday. In a memorial service, President Tsai presented the fallen soldiers with medals of Marine Corps, presidential citations, and promoted their ranks posthumously to highlight their dedication. The U.S. de facto ambassador in Taiwan, Brent Christiansen, was also on hand to pay his respects. Flags were lowered onto the coffins of the two fallen Marines, who both received the highest honour in a solemn joint memorial ceremony. President Tsai personally went down south to present posthumous presidential citations, highlighting their brave dedication. She shook hands with the bereaved as she expressed her condolences. AIT Director Brent Christensen also came to pay his respects, wishing the officer and soldier eternal rest in peace. He said that their comrades would carry out their missions and continue to protect Taiwan. A video showing the lives of the two Marines brought tears to the audience. Outside the auditorium, origami cranes adorned a memorial wall, inscribed with words of remembrance and longing. The mishap occurred when the Marine Corps was taking part in the annual Hanguang military exercises. The Navy command said a sudden change in sea conditions caused the small craft to capsize. Chen Shirung and Tsai Bo Yu were killed in the line of duty. Another soldier, a sergeant, Ama Le Dao Ka Du, is still hospitalized. Besides expressing deep regret, the Navy command hopes that such a tragedy will never happen again. National Sun Yat-sen University President Zheng Yingyao has issued an apology on behalf of his school in the aftermath of plagiarism accusations against Jane Lee, the KMT's candidate for the Kaohsiung mayoral by-election. The statement says that even though the university's reputation has been harmed, a good reputation does not come from a perfect record, but from actions taken after a blunder and the attitude of the offender. He says the university will not shirk its responsibilities and will take action to right the wrongs. Lee's case is now undergoing review. Zheng adds that if her master's thesis advisor is found to be guilty of dereliction of duty, there will also be a review of the senior academics who oversaw Lee's graduate studies. Taiwan has become the first country in the world to resume cruise ship operations amid the coronavirus pandemic. The cruise liner Explorer Dream set sail from Geelong Harbor Sunday, embarking on a four-day island-hopping jaunt. Epidemic prevention facilities ranging from hand-washing stations to thermal cameras to negative pressure isolation wards have been set up on board just in case. A spectacular opening dance with the performers giving all they've got. The audience is enraptured. 
However, this is not a theatre. It's on a cruise ship. With the world besieged by the pandemic, Taiwan, with its outstanding epidemic prevention achievements, is able to resume cruise ship travel. The first one is a four-day, three-night island hopping cruise. For this maiden voyage of an island hopping ocean liner, we'd like to especially thank Minister Chen of the Central Epidemic Command Centre for his guidance. Since we got the green light a month ago, we've been able to give a new life to epidemic prevention. More than a thousand people have signed on for the four-day seafaring journey and epidemic prevention measures are carried out to the letter. 22 cabins with windows facing outwards have been set aside to serve as negative pressure isolation wards should the need arise. We use a positive pressure ventilation system, which uses the positive pressure of a fresh air system to emit clean air. When the clean air is sucked in, the stale air is emitted out from another vent. So we have independent intake and output vents. The ship is also outfitted with 61 hand-washing stations, which are operated by sensors to avoid direct contact. The restaurants will also ask for the customers' full names and other details to allow for contact tracing. Travellers are required to monitor their body temperatures every day. Should any symptoms appear, the places we dock whether it be Penghu, Jinmen or Mazu, have relevant examination facilities, so people can disembark immediately and get examined. The Explorer Dream can accommodate up to 3,600 passengers, but a cap of 1,200 has been imposed to ensure the highest level of epidemic prevention. The 500-plus crew have also undergone 14 days of quarantine so that vacationers can rest assured as they enjoy their sojourn on the ship. Holders of Hakka tourism vouchers will no longer be barred from using them in their hometowns, the Hakka Affairs Commission said. Since the government's goal of encouraging the public to visit Hakka areas has been fulfilled, the commission no longer saw the need to set any restrictions. Two million vouchers were issued through an online lottery, and business has been active in Hakka areas across Taiwan. Originally, there was a stipulation that consumers could only use the vouchers in shops outside the townships where they had their household registrations. But starting August 1st, voucher holders can use their vouchers in any of the 70 Hakka-themed areas located in 11 counties and cities. Temperatures in Taiwan are continuing to hit record highs. Following Taipei's record-breaking heat of 39.7 degrees last Friday, Taidong's Dao even saw the mercury hit 40.2 degrees on Saturday, the second time in Taiwan's recorded history for this temperature. People seeking treatment in hospital emergency rooms have almost doubled compared with last year. Gynecologists have warned that women in particular are more vulnerable to heat stroke and pregnant women should be cautious, as symptoms relating to high heat can be easily confused with morning sickness. It's early in the morning and the sun was already beating down. In recent days, the weather has been hot and the number of people coming into hospital emergency rooms in July has been 1.8 times that of July last year. Women need to be particularly careful. 
It's easier for them to get out of breath and they are more prone to discomfort. They get sore hands and feet and have low energy levels. If these symptoms are all experienced in summer, they could be early symptoms of dehydration or heat shock. Not only are women more prone than men to suffer from dehydration and heat stroke, pregnant women have poor vascular regulation and the heat does not dissipate well in their bodies as they carry fetuses in their tummies. However, symptoms of heat stroke, overheating and vomiting are similar to those of morning sickness and are thus easily overlooked. In the past, she thought this was the case, but at the time she had probably reached a serious state of dehydration, fainting in shock or muscle soreness. These kinds of conditions are very dangerous. If her body temperature climbs above 37.5 degrees and when it is close to 38 degrees, you must check to see if she is dehydrated. If she stays outside for too long, be especially wary. The recent repeat of record high temperatures as people worried. Will the weather get even hotter? As cloud coverage will begin to reduce until Tuesday, there will be high temperatures everywhere. For example, the Greater Taipei Basin, mountainous areas in western Taiwan, the East Rift Valley and Taidung will probably experience temperatures of 36 degrees and above. For the windward side of southern and central regions, there could be brief showers or thunder showers before Tuesday. However, July is almost over and there is still no sign of a typhoon forming. The CWB forecasts that the chances of a typhoon forming this month are practically nil. Consumers today are more conscious about food safety than they have ever been, and organic farmers are emerging to meet the demand. But although farming without pesticides provides a healthier alternative to conventionally grown produce, it brings with it a whole slew of challenges. Organic crops grow at a slower rate, and they're often eaten up by insects. Organic farmers are getting creative to overcome the hurdles and keep up with Taiwan's growing appetite for organic food. Our Sunday special report. At this vegetarian restaurant, the head chef is prepping meals, getting ready for the lunch rush. Mushrooms and carrots are diced up into small pieces, and cabbage is chopped before the vegetables are mixed together with cornstarch. The mixture is kneaded into a vegetarian version of stewed meatballs, a dish known in Chinese as lion's head. This lion's head is prepared with ingredients sourced fully from organic farmers. Worry-free food must meet one condition. It must be cultivated organically or grown without pesticides. Following Taiwan's tainted oil scandal of 2014, a food safety revolution has reshaped the country's priorities. Domestically grown produce meeting organic certification standards have proliferated on the market. Produce from small farms began selling not only at specialty stores, They've also found their way into vegetarian restaurants. Wang Shuzhen is the owner of a vegetarian restaurant. Opening her fridge, she introduces the various jams, pickled vegetables, and fresh organic produce she has inside. Six years ago, Wang joined a few like-minded partners and launched an eco-friendly vegetarian restaurant. When it comes to people who predominantly eat out and don't have time to cook, restaurants can hold some power in influencing people to go for such ingredients. 
Over time, I think there will be more and more farmers who will find that if they grow this type of organic produce, people will buy it. For restaurateurs, food safety is key to a sustainable business. That's what makes finding a reliable organic supplier so important. Walking into this organic farm situated in New Taipei City, one is greeted with melons, beans, and other vegetables. Wang's business partner, Robin Winkler, is here visiting this small farm, which is one of their restaurant suppliers. Winkler and farmer Chou Xianghui's relationship extends beyond business. The two have a close friendship that dates back many years. Back in 2008, the Taipei Detention Center in New Taipei City's Tuchen District was mulling a relocation. They planned to move to a nearly 200-hectare lot formerly used as an ammunition dump. As the site was military property, it was heavily guarded, and nature was allowed to flourish without human intervention. The area around the site was farmland. Locals worried that if the detention center moved in, it would wipe out this last bastion of nature within the city. Locals took to the streets in protest, with Cho among them. At the time, many environmental activist groups lent their voices to the protest. Winkler, who became a naturalized ROC citizen in 2003, was one of those protesters. The protest was only half the battle. If we hadn't created this business, all we would have done was protest. So I made Chiu Xianhui a business partner. Thinking back to that year, the two men have much to talk about, their conversation never ending as they walk from the outdoor garden to the netted enclosure. As they move from one plant to the next, Winkler picks leafy vegetables and samples them while talking to Cho. Because it is an organic farm, Cho does not use pesticides. Instead, throughout the farm, flypaper is hung to prevent an outbreak of harmful insects. Pheromone traps are placed to prevent insect reproduction. A lot of wild plants that can be eaten raw can be gathered. Because the things we eat are so close to Taipei, we ought to preserve all places like this. Because Cho knew so little about organic farming and because the land was unsuitable, he found himself failing no matter what he planted. For four years, every day was a painful struggle. It was strange. I had taken 1.74 million NT dollars out of my retirement funds and within four years had spent it all. In a month, I was selling less than $10,000 NT worth of produce, and I found myself swallowing tears throughout the night. Unable to make ends meet, Joe came close to retiring. But in the end, he pressed on and signed up for a class where he learned ways to improve. The break gave his land time to sit fallow. It also led him to discover that he hadn't done enough thinking about market segmentation. We have to segment ourselves from the regular market. So I planted strange things, things other people wouldn't plant, I would plant. For example, things like kale or arugula. These past two or three years, these vegetables have become popular, but I've been planting them for seven or eight years. Cho's garden only has three plots of land, so the scale of his business is still comparatively small. 
but looking over his garden, one sees a sea of vegetables of 20 or 30 varieties. Cho adopted a business model that prioritizes a diversity of produce, each grown in a small quantity. He has his own plant nursery. I started out slow with organic food clubs in nearby communities. I brought them onto the farm to take a look, and later they became my customers. After securing a customer base, Cho focused on ensuring a steady supply of produce. That year, Winkler reached out. To encourage Cho to focus on organic farming, Winkler purchased produce from him at above-market prices. He hoped that I wouldn't mess around during the growing process. Whatever I produced, he would definitely buy. This put me at ease. Cho's origin story and his journey have made his farm popular for school field trips and on-site visits. Visitors come wanting to learn from him and to experience a day as a farmer. Taking advantage of a rare break in the rain, Lingko resident Zhou Yejian grabbed his hoe and basket and headed to his garden to harvest cabbages. The cabbages along the perimeter are riddled with holes where they were eaten by insects. Joe cautiously gathers into his basket some of the smaller cabbages. Joe, 42, previously worked in finance and enjoyed a stable income. Later on, he decided to give up his white-collar lifestyle. He returned to his hometown to take over his father's farm and start a new life. Previously, I was a clerk. Before the financial crisis, the company wanted us to sell financial derivatives. We wouldn't even buy those things ourselves, so I gave up that job and came back. Unwilling to take up work that did not suit, Joe returned home to help his father grow vegetables. He became committed to treating the land with respect. I feel that installing netted enclosures has a protective effect for organic plants. It's comparatively simple. You just need to apply fertilizer, plant seeds, water them, and that's it. You don't need to do anything. It's perfect for lazy people like me. Joe calls himself lazy, but farming without pesticides is significantly harder than the traditional way. To prevent an infestation of insects, Joe must walk through the garden every two to three hours to inspect the plants. Pulling up a cabbage, he checks under its top leaves and notices that fruit flies have made their way in. Before the sun comes up, you can see caterpillars making an appearance. If you're out there too late, they'll have already gone into hiding. It's the same with snails. You'd best get out there at around 5 or 6 a.m. to take a look. Waking up at 5 a.m. to check on the garden is just business as usual for Joe. He has to know the growing patterns of all manner of vegetables to avoid missing the ideal time for harvest. Some vegetables need to be harvested in the middle of the night. There is indeed harvesting in the middle of the night. For example, Chinese kale is best harvested in the morning. If you are unable to harvest it in the morning, then you need to do it at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. When a cold air current blows in, that is the worst for the plant. After a rigorous test process, Joe's farm was certified organic in 2006 by the new Taipei City Agriculture Department. Now the focus of his small farm is to expand its markets. 
On average, each week we offload about 200 kilograms of vegetables. With the help of the city government, Joe and some other small farms work with elementary schools in the city to provide produce for school lunches. Once every week, they send vegetables to the schools. Organic farming is on the rise in Taiwan, with more and more people trying their hand at growing plants toxin free. Organic farmers face not only insect infestations, but also the challenge of keeping quality consistent. Organic produce also grows at a slower rate. But despite these challenges, organic farmers say they're happy with their choice. It took us five years, ten years. One step at a time, we got to where we are now. Throughout my life, I was not properly taught the word regret. I can't even write it. I can only look to the future.